From Decrypt Media, this is the Sam Bankman Fraud Daily Show. My name is Matthew Diemer. Today on the show, we're going to go over some emails and comments from listeners. Also, we have a lot of new news today, so we're not going to do our week in review until tomorrow. That's today on the SPF Daily. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Good morning, everyone. It is the 2nd of December. It's a Friday and it's 2022. So I got a lot of emails and comments yesterday, literally more than I was expecting from my question of should I keep covering FTX and SBF? And well, I'm going to read a lot of these different comments and questions to you. And we'll try to figure this out together. And then we'll get into our headlines. Funny enough, our first email doesn't have anything to do with SBF, though. (laughs) It is from an elected official in Texas, which I think is actually pretty cool. So it says, I love the podcast. I listen nearly every day and I appreciate your takes and concern for the everyman. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm a local elected official here in Marfa, Texas, pro-crypto, but it has nothing to do with my government position. Some people know I've been in crypto since 2017, but it's not my identity. But I have a question. Assuming, and it's a big assumption, that it wouldn't hold, but humor me, that the price of that, let's say, stays stable throughout the end of this Terra, Luna, FTX, Celsius, BlockFi, and more to come out fallout, and the case can be made for the actual value, not necessarily the market price, of each F token to increase as the centralized institutions fail. Hear me out. FTX and most, if not all, the other exchanges have basically sold the same tokens over and over again to their account holders who did not withdraw them for self-custody. And now the tokens are either locked up or not there, probably both. Banks are perceiving more or less freezes the tokens that exist and exposes the fact that others don't. With F being more or less deflationary, does the reality eventually lead to the perception, right or wrong, that there's less F, not just on exchanges, but overall? I've been thinking about this since November 10th, but I'm going back and forth. Thank you for running for Congress. Me and my wife were rooting for you. David. Dave, thank you for the email. Thank you for being an electric official, running for office and putting yourself out there. I know how hard it is. So I appreciate your service, sir. So let me first address what I think you're asking. Are you asking that if the tokens actually go back on the market and are actually traded to their actual supply and not just basically traded willy-nilly with no actual token backing those trades because nobody's taking out their their tokens that the price will go up and there will be less f on the market and i'm gonna say two things one about the price i don't know and obviously that's an easy cop-out answer but here's the two things that i'm really concerned about one was that volume a full volume basically were they just trading and pumping and dumping and trading within themselves to make sure values go up and maintain certain values If that's the case, then I think that the price could go down for almost all tokens. Because, look, I have actually, and I've said this on the podcast many times, known an exchange that approached a token company to have them pay a monthly retainer so they can pump their volume to pump their price. So if companies were using that kind of strategy, which we don't know what they're doing in their back end, to create an artificial price for tokens that they hold to take collateral out of so they can get real U.S. dollars or stable coins, then maybe the whole price could just drop and collapse. I have no clue, but that's probably what my bet would be. 
The second one is, is maybe they were artificially keeping the price low so they can scoop up more tokens to pump the price in a later time. So again, I have really no clue. When it comes to the supply, um, I don't think that it's going to change the outcomes of the supply. It might change the circulating supply, but I don't think it's going to change the total supply. Anyway, I hope that's exactly what you're asking. I had to read a little bit between the lines there. And if you have any opinions, you or anybody that's listening, Matthew Aaron at Decrypt.co. Next email comes from Billy. And Billy says, Matthew, I have to laugh because I'm right there with you with the SBF saga. I'm tired of it as well. But in reality, it's the utmost important thing going on in the crypto space. Turns out that the contagion has spread much further and wider than just crypto. To be honest, as tired as I am of FTX and SBF shenanigans, I do take great joy in him defying lawyers' desires to, pardon my French, shut the fuck up. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. He, he wrote that, actually. I'm, I'm reading this verbatim, so <laughs> I'm not paraphrasing or editing anything. Continuing what Billy said, The bigger hole he digs, the more I want to see how deep it goes. You will have to report on it for the foreseeable future, but you may or can just compile all the BS into one episode per week or pursue some interviews with industry leaders on what we should do moving forward. Who knows, though? You might have to rename the podcast to the Sam Bateman Fraud Daily. Ha 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 ha. And that's why I got the title of the episode today. Thank you, Billy. Next email comes from Jeff. Jeff says, in response to SBF, unfortunately, as much as I'd rather hear you talk about coffee, motorcycles, old-schooled rappers, your girlfriends, or time overseas, or working out, etc. Apparently, I tell you a lot about my life. Maybe I should shut the fuck up. <laughs> I think you need to keep covering the story. Only when enough hucksters have been brought to life or brought to justice, either criminally or in a civil context, will people learn to avoid things that seem too good to be true. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Jeff, for that opinion. My buddy Spencer sent me a voicemail and he said, and this is a paraphrase, he said that, look, don't talk about things that SBF says or people talking about SBF. Just talk about actual reporting that talks about the future and the resolve of FTX or SBF himself. Keep out the comments. Stop hearing the masterclass of BS. Stop allowing him to feed the narrative why he's blowing smoke up everybody's butts. That's what Spencer says. The crypto curator, Paul McNeil, told me, yeah, let's just stop it all together. I'm sick of it. Let's just arrest him. Andres wrote in and said, Hey, Matthew, first of all, I want to thank you for the mention. I couldn't believe that I was listening to yesterday morning to your podcast and my email is read on it. No worries. You asked a question. I'm going to read it. I want to give you my opinion about FTX and continue mentioning it in your daily podcast. In my humble opinion, you should continue keeping updates of the status of FTX, but you should also keep addressing the topic, which is a firm position, showing your thoughts and which side you stand. This does not have to do with how you have to communicate it because I think you've been doing a great job. You mentioned it in your December 1st episode, how the New York Times did not go to the bone with the guy. He was telling his lies, and the, and the reporter did not push him. I believe with this type of news, you have the responsibility to not stay neutral, and I agree with that. Again, it's just my humble opinion. Again, it's just my opinion, and any feedback or different opinion is encouraged. Best, Andres. So that's what I've got from everybody writing in about the SBF and how we should be covering this, and I'm going to take your advice. We're going to continue to talk about it. I'm going to tone down on the rumors, the gossip, and I guess the blowing smoke that he does. But I will report as much news that comes out into crypt about SBF and FTX or I hear any other way, we will be talking about it. And so since we're going to be talking about it, let me just talk to you about what was just published or put out an hour ago by Maxine Waters, chairman of the U.S. Committee on Financial Services, who was a congressperson who was standing in pictures with SBF. She tweeted this in an official capacity. At SBF, we appreciate that you've been candid in your discussion about what happened at FTX. Your willingness to talk to the public will help the company's customers, 
investors, and others. To that end, we will welcome your participation in our hearing on the 13th. So first of all, this is bullshit. And I'm going to tell you why, because let's break down this tweet, okay? We appreciate that you've been candid. First of all, we appreciate that you've been candid. The United States Congress and the Committee on Financial Services should not appreciate anything when it comes to $10 billion of stolen customers' funds. You should have the obligation to do what you need to do, and they should be enforcing this. The second word that I'm bothered with is candid. Has he been candid? And so maybe I don't know this word. Maybe I don't know the definition. So I'm going to just define it really quick. Candid means frank, outspoken, forthright, open, honest, truthful, sincere, direct, plain spoken. Has he been? Can we prove this? I don't I don't know about that. Second part, she says, your willingness to talk to the public will help the company's customers, investors, and others. I think that we should underline others. How is him talking to the public helping the customers and investors? There has been no way of actually reconciling or recovering funds or any discrepancies with the company or the actions because he hasn't said anything. To that end, she says, we welcome your participation. We welcome your participation in our hearing. What do you mean you would welcome? As though this is an invitation, like kindly saying, hey, uh, we would, it's good for you to be here. I, I'm so happy you are able to clear your schedule to come talk to Congress about a massive massive potential fraud, potential Ponzi, potential alleged financial crime. We're so happy you could clear your busy schedule. Look, I retweeted this with a quote tweet. Now, I'm not the you know most scathing, most controversial tweeter out there. This is just not me. But I tweeted, I just want people to think about it. Imagine if the average U.S. citizen did this and how they would be treated. Imagine if I stole a TV. No, no, no. Better yet. Let's make it a little more opaque. Imagine I put out an ad in the local newspaper asking somebody for $1,000 and I'll turn it into $2,000 or I'll just hold that $1,000 from them, went out and gambled that money at the racetrack, lost the money, they came back and asked where my $1,000 was, and I said, oh, sorry, don't have it. They would report me. The cops would show them at my house. I'd be arrested. I'd be thrown in jail. And if I didn't have bail, I would be sitting there until my hearing. And when I went to that hearing, the judge would not say, hey, I appreciate you for being candid and I welcome your participation in this hearing, I'm happy you showed up. No, I would be there in handcuffs in an orange jumper and a bailiff would be sitting to the right or the left of me or maybe both and I'll be forced to participate. I think this is absolutely, absolutely messed up the way this is playing out. It is corruption. It is wrong. It is so blatant and obvious that we have a huge problem in this case. The way that everybody is treating this guy. I'm sorry, it's making me mad. It's making me real mad. Let's take a look at these crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money and the time is 11.39 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I don't know where the time went. I woke up at 8 today, but for some reason, still working on the podcast. Bitcoin is sitting at $16,917, down 0.8% in 24. Ethereum is number two at $1,280, pretty much even from yesterday to those number three. Binance is at 289 down 1.3%. And USDC is number five. Rounding off the top 10, we have BUSD, XRP, Dogecoin, which is down 4%. It's at 9.8 cents. Cardano is number nine. And Matic is number 10. The total market cap, we're sitting at $851.2 billion. That's down about 0.8% in 24. We have a BTC dominance of 318 and an F dominance of 183 Exactly the same from yesterday.
And finally, we're moving into our headlines today. The first headline today we have is the Australian Securities Exchange, or the ASX, is set to ask almost 200 contractors who are working on incorporating blockchain technology into their chess clearing and settlement system. This news comes after ASX announced the demise of its seven-year-long project, with the company writing down $170 million pre-tax loss as a result. As you guys all know, the ASX Chess Clearinghouse Electronic Subregister System has been operating for about 25 years, and it manages the settlements of roughly around $3.19 billion of daily trading volume. And so they're trying to update the system. They're trying to use blockchain. They basically found out that they can't because of latency issues and other problems. They plan that the blockchain revamp could give both issuers and investors greater control and enhance confidence in the exchange market activities. But they're back to the drawing board. Terraform Labs co-founder Daniel Shin appeared on court on Friday at a hearing to decide whether he should be arrested for allegedly extracting illegal profits prior to the collapse of the Terra ecosystem. The court would decide to approve Shin's arrest either Friday or Saturday. Along with Shin, seven other early investors and Terraform Labs engineers are also named in the warrant. The South Korean authorities also issued a warrant on Terraform Labs CEO and co-founder Do Kwan. However, Do Kwan is not on the run. However, nobody knows where the hell he is. Don't know how that works, but that's what he says. Oh, by the way, his passport was voided by the South Korean authorities. CZ Zhao tweeted that there were possible hacks on Anchor and Hay, and he said that initial analysis is that a developer private key was hacked, and the hacker updated the smart contract private key to a more malicious one. Binance paused withdrawals a few hours ago and froze around $3 million that hackers moved to our centralized exchange. And so what did that do to the price of Anchor and Hay? Well, Anchor's only down about 2.7% in 24. It's at 2.1 cents. And Hay is down 40% in 24 at 60.6 cents. Literally just tanked. But we're lucky that it bounced back up because its low was 22 cents. The United States Office of Trustee it's a department within the DOJ, filed a motion requesting the appointment of an independent examiner to look into the cryptocurrency exchange's collapse and subsequent bankruptcy. And of course, we're talking about FTX. So this was done before with Lehman, Washington Mutual Bank, New Century Financial. And they said that these cases are the kind of cases that require an appointment of an independent fiduciary to investigate and report on the debtor's extraordinary collapse. The questions at stake here are simply too large and too important to be left to an internal investigation. One Hundred percent. The agency applauded the work of the new FTX CEO, John J. Ray III, who replaced, obviously, SBF. They said this, Mr. Ray and his role in these cases is that of fiduciary of the debtor's estate with the objectives that may not necessarily be aligned with those of all other interested parties. Can't stop talking about SBF, but this is actually very interesting, as we all know that he gave a lot of money to Republicans and Democrats and everybody. He gave $46.5 million to political candidates. In a public spreadsheet, link is in the show notes, shared by OpenSecrets.org, a nonprofit that tracks U.S. campaign finances and lobbying, shows the vast majority of the donations have gone to Democrats. Sam is the second largest Democratic donor behind George Soros. The interesting thing is he said that he gave equally to Dems and Republicans, and I'm wondering actually if he didn't give equally. But he's just trying to curry some favor with the GOP since they do now have the House majority. Anyway, that's just a thought. There's a list of politicians who've returned or said that they would be redonating the money received from Sam to a charitable organization. The total amount already represents $1.2 million of the political contributions, but that's only about 3% of the total campaign donations. 
There's also a list of politicians that did not return the money from SBF. And actually, here's my take on this. If Sam were to donate into my campaign, I would have spent the money. <laughs> like, I, I needed the money. I needed to run ads. I needed to do things. I needed to pay people. And so he would have given that money when he was not the person he is today, an alleged criminal. And so if somebody asked me to return that money, <laughs> it would have been impossible. I, I didn't have the money. And so I bet you that a lot of people are going to be in that case. There are plenty of politicians with a lot of money in their uh, campaign accounts, Mitt Romney, Nancy Pelosi, and so on and so forth. But there are a lot of people who are just running a campaign that said, hey, it's all gone. So I don't think that we should put it on the politicians for or people who are running for office that took the money when he was in a different state, actually had a different standing within society um, because it could be already spent. I would love to hear your opinion about it. Matthew Aaron at Crypt.co. This is a very interesting story. Coinbase's wallet iOS application on the Apple App Store no longer supports NFT transactions because Apple's strict new policies on NFTs. These were announced in October. Coinbase Wallet tweeted, You might have noticed you can't send NFTs on Coinbase Wallet iOS anymore. This is because Apple blocked our last app release until we've disabled the feature. And so while NFTs aren't outright banned on Apple's mobile App Store, they are subject to the App Store tax of... 30%. And so if developers aren't able to implement that requirement, their app will be blocked from the store. Coinbase tweeted, Apple's claim is that the gas fees required to send NFTs need to be paid through their in-app purchase system so they can collect 30% of the gas fee. For anyone who understands how NFTs and blockchains work, this is clearly not possible, Coinbase said. Apple's proprietary in-app system does not support crypto, so we couldn't comply even if we tried. Coinbase obviously is not happy about the restrictions on its mobile application, and they called Apple's decision akin to Apple trying to take their cut of fees for every email that gets sent over an open internet protocol. Now, in all fairness, Coinbase is being pretty cool. They're hoping that this decision was simply an oversight that could be discussed further. Solana's head of communications is not as, as cool-headed as they are. Today, it was Apple. Tomorrow, it could be Google, he says. We need a third option. If you're in Italy, there's a proposal bundled in the country's 2023 budget. What is it? It's a 26% tax that will be imposed on capital gains on crypto larger than 2,000 euro. And finally, I told you there was a lot to get through today. The CFTC chair said that cryptocurrency may be a threat to America's national security and more regulation is needed in the space now. Senator Roger Wayne Marshall of Kansas, who described the space as a nuclear bomb going off, said, folks, we will find a way to get exposure to offshore entities and activities, even if it's prohibited in the U.S., and we have to do something about that. We need registration of exchanges. We need surveillance of market activity. We need direct relationships with custodians who are holding customers' money so we can prohibit and prevent money moving around that's not house money. And on a side note, uh, I made a couple of rules for myself when I was running for office uh, that I think all politicians should actually do. And right now, actually just stop. Right now, just stop. Follow these rules from this point on. Number one, never compare anything to the Holocaust or slavery. Stop it, please. It's obvious why. Number two, please stop comparing people to Hitler. Just stop it. And number three, never compare anything to a nuclear war or a nuclear bomb. The devastation of a nuke or a war is so dystopian 
that we have no way to comprehend the world post-nuclear aggression. So those three, every politician, if you would, just stop. Just stop. What do you think? Do you like those rules? Matthew Aaron at Decrypt.co. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Deemer. I will be back tomorrow with our week in review. And until then, happy hodling, everyone.